Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Go Local podcast, the unofficial local guides podcast. We are a podcast made by a team of local guides for local guides and about local guides. You are listening to episode three, and in this episode, I have the awesome Patty and Julian from Singapore. We will talk about their involvement in the program, their experience at Connect Live 2018. And if you did not know this, it was Chinese New Year on the 5th February, so we will cover that festive event as well. Go local with us, go local with adventure, your unofficial cast to all things local guys. Yeah! Welcome back. To start off the episode, let's dive straight into the announcements. First up, we have a super announcement from Paul, the drop bear in Melbourne, Australia. G'day mates, my name's Paul. I'm from Melbourne in Australia. Today I'd like to talk to you about a concept called the 36 Walk. This is an annual global initiative to help us improve our photography. As local guides, we rely on images in maps every day. When we're looking for a place, or trying to find out what it looks like inside, or perhaps the quality of the meals served, or the products sold. When I look on maps, I often see some absolutely amazing images, but I also see a lot of mediocre and even poor images, which reflects poorly on the local guides. The 36 Walk mission is to help people improve their photography. This is the third year that we've run this global initiative, and I'd really love you to take part. So what would I like you to do? There's a couple of ways that you can contribute. You could lead a walk in your city or suburb or town. It's really easy to do, and there's instructions in the Connect post for how to do that, and there's an information pack that gives you all of the information you need to lead a walk. I anticipate that this year, the walks will all run on March the 23rd. The information packs are available in English, Dutch, Hindi, Italian, and Spanish. And thank you to my awesome translators. Now, if you don't want to lead a walk, and it's not for everyone, not everybody likes to stand out in front, and that's perfectly okay. So you can join a walk once they get advertised for one of the people near you, or alternately, there's no real reason why you can't just go solo and run one on your own. You could even grab a few of your own friends who aren't local guides yet and go on a little walk with them and do a 36. Maybe tomorrow they'll be local guides too. Anyway, I'd really enjoy having you contribute, and I look forward to it being a much bigger success this year with another year of strong growth. Thanks a lot. This is such a super cool event, and I hope that all the listeners out there, especially those who are interested in photography, will sign up as leaders in their own hosted event. Next up, we generated quite a lot of feedback from episode two, so I'm just gonna play all the voicemails together and respond to them all in one go. Hi, Go Local podcasters. It's Tracy Capiello. I am currently listening to your podcast as I get ready for work this Friday morning. And I just got to the point where you asked who the favorite Googler was. I want to let you know that I still have tons of love for you. And I'm just glad that you appreciate Googlers as much as you do. Um, I love you all. And I will continue listening and maybe leave another note if um, time allows. Penny from Sydney, Australia, level eight, local guide. That was awesome, guys. Vandana, your interview was amazing. You are an inspiration to all of us. I've only started traveling on my own um, in the last couple of years. I've traveled my whole life, but with my husband, my whole life, or my children. And a couple of years ago, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it on my own and see if I can do it. And it was pretty scary getting on that plane for the first time on my own, but very exhilarating and addictive. So I might come and see you in India one day. 
that was some really awesome advice and um, helpful hints about traveling alone through Europe, Vandana. And your tips, Adrian, were excellent about looking at your phone at the hotel rather than while you're walking around because I guess you miss what you're looking at really. I've traveled throughout my whole life and backpacked through Europe when I was younger and remember holding an actual physical map back then and um, think, you know, times have changed now. I'm constantly um, relying on my phone and Google Google Maps these days. Um, I don't know what I prefer, but I, I do like both. Great advice. Thanks again. Thank you so much for bringing awareness to Emeka's accessibility program. We're happy you guys are talking about it. Thank you again. Hi, this is Paul the Drop Bear from Melbourne. I'm a level nine local guide working my way towards 10, Connect moderator and proud member of the One Percenters for my city. I was really surprised to hear my name in the podcast this morning. Thanks to Linnea and Vandana for the warm fuzzy feelings. Hugs back to you both. Hearing my friend's voices in each episode is so awesome. I'm really enjoying the podcast, and I loved hearing about Vandana's travels this time around. It's really interesting to hear about the solo traveller. Some of those experiences I share, but some are quite different. Keep up the great podcast, guys. I'm really looking forward to the future episodes. And as to Lania's request, well, you never know what's around the corner, do you? Bye. Thanks ever so much for all your voicemails. That was super awesome to hear from Tracy. I'm so glad that she's listening to the podcast and enjoying it. And yes, we have so much love for YouTube and all the other Googlers out there working so hard on local guides and maps. It is so nice to hear from you again, Penny, and I'm glad that you found episode two to be as awesome as it is for us to make it. And Paul, we do try to mention local guides in our episodes to give them the recognition for all the amazing work that they do too. And on that note, I also wanted to mention that we accidentally left out giving kudos to Karen, a local guide based in San Francisco, who was also instrumental in Paul's photo walk. Karen, if you're listening, I'm so sorry to miss you out. We are still friends, right? And just to end this segment, a reminder to all our listeners that if you have an exciting event or project that you are organizing and want to promote on our podcast, or maybe you have a feedback on any of our episodes, feel free to send us a voicemail to our Gmail address. And with the announcements out of the way, Let's meet our two guests for today. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Patty and Julian. Hi. Hey. Why don't you start off by telling us something interesting about yourselves? Right, I'm going to start. I'm Julian here. I'm a level 10 local guide. One of those people who don't have a life and is too obsessed with Google Maps. My life and hobby is Google Maps. <laughs> okay, just kidding. I'm a tech guy who um, I love playing with computers. I love cameras. I Switch between DSLRs, microfolded cameras, 360 cameras, pixel cameras, and all that. Local guides-wise, I was the moderator for the Singapore Google Plus community, which is, as you know, shutting down. So I hope I can still contact people via Connect or Twitter groups. I had a good fortune of attending Connect Live in both 2017 and 2018. In fact, 2017 was when I first got to know Adrian, right? At the hilarious spot the moment invite to that ice cream museum. Petty here. I'll, I guess I'm next. Like I mentioned in episode one, for those who haven't uh, listened to it, please go listen to it. I'm in level eight, and apart from my day job, I'm very much into musicals. So I do singing um, and acting, a little bit of dance as well. I attended the 2018 Connect Live event where I got to meet all the new local guides friends that Julian had talked about the previous year. Um, like this Malaysian guy living in Manchester who likes chili crab. 
<laughs> I have no idea who you guys are talking oh. about there. <laughs> hey, did you use the sauce? Uh, no, because I haven't found crabs yet. Oh, darn. I know it sounds really silly, <laughs> but I, I need to go to a fishmonger. It's, yeah, okay. It's not that easy to find. I don't even know what type of crabs to, to get, and I don't even know how to process them. Like, how do you cook crabs? Just get them to do it for you. Like, chop it up. <laughs> like, True. pre-chop. But would, wouldn't the insides all, like, fall out? I don't, uh, anyway. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> you, you cook it chopped up anyway. Yes, def- definitely, yeah, because you need to get the sauce inside, so... We are only like f- a few minutes into the podcast and we're already talking about food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an Asian thing, I think. So. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. So you guys are our first local guides couple that we are featuring on the podcast. Maybe one day we'll get a full family, mom, dad, kids, grandparents, cousins, and all that. But you know, for now, we have the two of you. What was it like going to Connect Life as a couple, meeting 149 other local guides and countless Googlers and essentially, nobody knew you two were married to each other. <laughs> How did you all miss our wedding like, rings? We thought you saw awkward. them. Awkward. What? <laughs> uh, Why yeah, is everyone well, so we surprised? Might have, we might have seen the, the rings, but I mean, like, we didn't know you were married to each other. So I guess, right. yeah, hmm. it's kind of... Okay. <laughs> right. Now, first and foremost, we are both excellent local guides that stand on our own merit. Mm-hmm. And we got selected for Connect Life independently, right? So they didn't know as well. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yes, so we are married. Uh, we have been together a very long time, way before local guides program. But we have also loved Google Maps for a long time too. Sorry, we never told you, but <laughs> I guess it never came up. Yeah, so it's sort of irrelevant and it guess it wasn't really a thing for us so we didn't really feel the need to mention it explicitly yeah we attend lots of local guides events and meetups together we're both huge fans of google and google maps in our own different ways so even when you look at our reviews our styles are very different and the things we write about are different yeah are you sure you guys are married? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, totally. yeah, you guys do different things. Yeah, we are definitely together. married. <laughs> no, but you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it doesn't matter if you're married to each other. And as you said, each application is judged on its own merits anyway. And yeah, I, I guess it's just kind of funny that none of us noticed it or clicked on it. Um, I did not know at all, for sure. And I think, well, I, I could see that you guys were close. But then Singapore is pretty small, so I just assumed that you just knew each other from meetups. <laughs> yeah. I think someone said to me at Connect Live, Oh, there's another guy from Singapore too. Like, do you know each other? And I just said yes. <laughs> yeah. It might have been you, but I can't remember. I, yeah, it could, could have been me. I have no idea. <laughs> Speaking of Singapore, um, I don't know how much our listeners know about your country. So why don't you guys give us the tourism sales pitch? Okay, so yes, we live in Singapore. We are Singaporeans. Singapore is an island city with 5.6 million people right now residing within a 50 by 27 kilometer landmass. So pretty small space. We've got a really, really high population density. Most of us live in high-rise apartment buildings. We've got a pretty diverse native population made up of uh, mainly Chinese, Malays, Indians, and a smaller proportion of Eurasians. Eurasians are? They are people with European and Asian ancestry. So it was, it came out of the British colonizing regions of Asia. So a lot of the Eurasians that we have in Singapore, they are actually from British Indian descent. All right, okay. Because I heard the term, but I did not know anything about it until I actually mm. been to Singapore. And, and what's the uh, racial breakdown like? 
Mm, we have got like 75% Chinese, 15% Malays, 7% Indians, and a few other smaller groups. The interesting thing though is that Singapore, even though it's racially and geographically, uh, we are very Asian, but our culture and environment is also very, very Western influenced. Mm. Like how almost everyone speaks English, and that's the common language to get around actually. We have neighborhoods that, well, some part of maybe like a first world skyscraper city, but we also have like cultural heritage areas from each ethnic group. So there's Malay areas, there's um, Indian areas and stuff like that. So there's a lot of variety that uh, you can experience, see and eat. Yeah, well, speaking of English, you can imagine how a diverse environment like this affects the evolution of English in our country. We've developed something we call Singlish, which is Singapore English. There is a specific intonation and there are keywords that are used in Singlish, as well as a mishmash of other languages mixed into the sentences. So it's really common to hear someone in Singapore begin the first part of their sentence in English, then switch halfway to use one of a few Chinese dialects or even Malay words, and then end off in English again. So I'm, I'm Malaysian and we have our equivalent called Manglish. Yeah, and no yes, Manglish. <laughs> Manglish <laughs> does not sound great. It's, it's not marketable at all. Whereas Singlish sounds okay. Um, so I know what Singlish is all about, and I think the best way to explain this would actually be to give some examples. I can think of two very common words or expressions, so help me out here by explaining them. So the first expression is walau. That's W-A-H-L-A-U. Yeah. <laughs> so walau is an exclamation that means something like, oh my god, how can you do this? And the second word is Bojio, that's B-O-J-I-O. It's a Hokkien word, if I'm not mistaken, and Hokkien is a Chinese dialect. Yeah. yeah. Bojio is a very, very useful word. It's a friendly way of saying, why didn't you invite me? <laughs> yeah, so if you're using these words in a sentence, it'd be something along the lines, I guess, to give context. If your friends all went for hot pot and didn't invite you, you'd say, Walawe, you're Bojio, don't friend you already. Which basically means, what the heck? Why didn't you invite me? I'm unfriending you. So it's not just all about the famous la that we always hear people associate with this English language. Do you find that Singlish is a very like hugely dramatized version of speaking? It is certain parts. You could say that because it has a lot of roots in the Hokkien language, yeah. which is much more expressive than English or standard yeah. Chinese, maybe. It is, yeah. it is a very fascinating um, way of speaking, I guess. But... Not every Singaporean speak like that, right? I mean, or is it? I don't know. Most, actually. So m there are variations and there's different degrees of how much Singlish we use. But most of us have the same similar intonation. But you guys can switch it in and out, right? Like, like Paddy doesn't speak with Singlish accent or way at the moment. Julian has a slight, slight Asian accent. Yeah. I'm able to switch it off. Mm, yeah, we switch around a bit. Yeah. In fact, both of us are not that strong no, things <laughs> all the time compared to some others. Yeah, but it also depends on the company that I'm mm -hmm. with. So if I'm hanging out with friends who are very heavily Singlish mm -hmm. speaking, then I tend to switch over to speak like that. It's more familiar, right? It's not from a formal setting. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's true. It'll be so funny to see someone do a presentation at work and, and speak in a Singlish way. <laughs> no, but that's the thing, right? It's so common that it happens. <laughs> it's pretty and, funny. And there you have it, folks. That's Singlish. There's a dish popular in the region called rojak, and it's basically a savory dish that's a mix of fruits, vegetables, bean curd, peanuts, covered in a thick savory sauce. 
It's a snack dish, kind of weird, and I guess you could say it's like an Asian salad. But essentially, Singlish is what I would call a rojak language because it's a crazy mix <laughs> that just works beautifully, and normal expressions just come alive with great drama. And on that topic of food, I have a few questions from various local guides for the two of you. First up is Archit from Raipur, India. Hey guys, I hope you are doing well. My name is Archit Oja from Raipur, Chhattisgarh in India. And as we all know that Singapore is a cosmopolitan country with various cultures coming together. So I wanted to know that if you can recommend me some authentic traditional foods of the natives. Also, I would be highly glad if you can suggest some names of the vegetarian dishes there too. Cheers and have a wonderful day. And two, a level eight local guide from San Francisco who was a summit attendee in 2017 sent us an email and she says, I've been to Singapore airport for a layover, but never got to explore the city. Can you tell me your favorite dish of food that everyone should try there? So not necessarily a Singaporean specific dish, but your favorite dish that if you had two coming over, you're like, you've got to try this. Ooh, food, favorite question. <laughs> Are we gonna spend one hour talking about food? Cause we can. Yep. Okay, firstly, one of the most common ones that people hear about is of course, chili crab which is really special, right? I secretly like the sauce and the bread buns way more than the crab itself. <laughs> <laughs> I actually personally prefer the black pepper crab though. It's less sweet and sometimes spicier. Secondly, one great noodle dish is curry laksa, which is a super sinful coconut milk-based broth with clams, prawns, and so much stuff, I don't know how to cook it. Third, the weather is hot here. Have some dessert. I'm going to be a bit adventurous and recommend durian ice kacang, Ooh. which is a special mix of the infamous durian fruit on top of a shaved ice dessert. Bet you didn't know about this. <laughs> if you can't take the smell of durian, don't worry. You can always just get regular ice kacang, which is very refreshing on its own. Um, it's not just ice. It's got syrups, condensed milk, jellies, and red bean hiding underneath all of it. It's a very colorful dessert mm. and it's delicious. Fourth, actually, regarding vegetarian food, there isn't much authentic Singaporean vegetarian food or restaurants here. Most of them are Indian vegetarian, hailing from India, of course, or Chinese vegetarian, hailing from China. You can let whatever shop or restaurant know to leave out meat for certain dishes that you order, and most shops are pretty okay with it. Here's one more. So there is a snack or supper food that I think... Um it's great. So it's uh, traditional style bean curd and soya milk, which is really good. Make sure you get the traditional style ones and not those ridiculous modern fancy jelly types, which is weird and I hate those. Yeah, those aren't as delicious. So are the traditional ones, if I remember correctly, they're just cooked in this pot as opposed to like commercially made in a carton box thing? Is that what you're referring um, to? No, okay. So recently, I think within the past, I don't know, Within the past, I think, 10 years, they developed a, another type of bean curd. Oh, like okay. Tofu fa, which is more of a custard. So it's actually kind of like a milky custard instead of soybean curd. And it was very trendy for a couple years. A lot of people, they're like, oh, this is a new, like, tau hui, but, like, we don't like it. <laughs> we, we couldn't appreciate it. We still like the original, traditional one. Oh, we got food snobs here, food snobs. Oh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Yep. We next have a question from our Paul in Melbourne, Australia. Hi. I've got a question for our lovely Singaporeans. Last time I was in Singapore was in the mid-90s, I think, and I was a bit underwhelmed by the food until I found the big market where I found chilli crab and I was happy. 
I was wondering what other places would you recommend for local foods? Not the kind of things a Westerner would normally get to experience. Thanks. Okay, you go. You go. Don't eat anything that they're recommending on The Bachelor. <laughs> Wait, wait, what, what, okay, what is The Bachelor? Because I just don't watch TV. The Bachelor is an American TV show. Um, yeah, what, so what I, I think uh, it? it was in the news recently because they came to Singapore to film an episode. Ah, okay. And then they, they were trying out some weird local food and then complaining about it, which was really yeah. rude and weird. Mm, yeah, well, The so. Bachelor is this um, kind it's of... It's just reality of, TV oh, shows. Yeah, it, yeah, The Bachelor is a reality TV show from the US. It's a dating thing, right? Because like, The Bachelor is trying to find... His wife. Yeah, it's a dating thing. So they're pretty rude when they came here and like dissed up our food. Crikey. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They they probably went to the wrong place anyway. Okay, so back to Paul's question. It depends on what you like. There is this place called East Coast Lagoon Food Village. And if you want to go to one single place with the biggest variety of good local food, this is one of them. There are a couple more, Uh, but we like this one because it's right by the beach and it's really nice and breezy and you eat facing the, the sea. They do satay, which is marinated meat on a stick served with a delicious peanut sauce. They have shops that also do chili or pepper crabs and other various forms of fresh seafood. Another favorite is this thing called sambal stingray. It is grilled stingray with a very tasty spicy sauce. And we also love our marinated barbecued chicken wings served piping hot sprinkled with lime and dipped in the dedicated chili sauce and my tip or advice i guess is also to try peranakan food it's quite a unique um cuisine kind of thing it's a chinese heritage but mixed with malay influences so it's got a really odd but very very unique sense of cooking style to it but it's, it's also not very commonly available, right? You have to go like, to seek it out. Like You have to go to like, specific restaurants to find the Peranakan food. Yeah, you have to go to specific restaurants. And a lot of the, f- the dishes take a lot of effort to make. Mm-hmm. So that also gets reflected in the price. Yes, that's so, true. <laughs> Peranakan food is not cheap. Yeah, that is so true. Um, but it is, it is pretty worth it. There's a place called Kim Juguan that's also in the east side of Singapore. They do pretty good Peranakan food. Um, and if you're okay for going with a bit of an upscale fusion pranakan, there's another place called Violet Un. I think they have two branches of that, or three branches. Gosh, <laughs> this talking about food this <laughs> is really making me hungry at the moment. <laughs> and I think because of our time zone differences, I haven't had my breakfast yet, and you guys haven't had your dinner yet, so we're really at the wrong time here to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, back to Singapore. It's a, it's a very modern city, loads of skyscrapers in the center, very modern facilities, buildings, all that stuff. Everything seems very fast moving. People walk fast, people talk fast. Escalator also move very fast. In the financial, it is the financial center for Southeast Asia. I know not everyone is rich, but there's a lot of wealth there. I like it, but I also feel that it's too organized, too well-structured. And I know it sounds like a silly criticism, saying you guys are too perfect. It feels quite sterile sometimes. Do you feel that as well? Or do you think that just the rest of us are just super inefficient? (laughs) Inefficient! Y'all inefficient! Okay, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a big city. If you go to like Tokyo, London, New York, everything is also very fast-paced and efficient. That's how we have developed so fast, even though we are a small and young country. I guess we are really driven, as you can see from our points. 
The funny thing about that is that and it's quite contradicting as well. So if you go across the border to Malaysia and you try to use the escalator or elevator there, it is just so ridiculously slow. And you go like, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's faster true. if you take the stairs. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that's the one thing that people talk about when they go to Singapore. They go like, why is the escalator moving so quickly? And I've not been to Tokyo, um, but even London and New York has that greediness about them. So I guess for Singapore, your old buildings are so well maintained that they don't even look old. Anyway, I have a question from Moni D, a Google moderator, and she asks, I've heard of the many laws in Singapore and the fees are really high if you do not respect them. It would be nice for you to share some advice with the local guides who would like to visit it, including myself. Yeah, we have laws and people follow them. But most definitely not the strictest in the world. No, the laws are unreasonable. As a tourist, as I said, just don't bring any drugs in. Don't vandalize anything. Like spray paint our walls. Just don't do that. Yeah, and don't harm anyone. Crime here is actually pretty low. Yeah, I'd say be respectful of the signs. Uh, follow the signs. So things like no littering. If they catch you littering, you, apart from a fine, might also end up being tasked to sweep the floors as public service. Maybe that's why our country is so clean. <laughs> <laughs> they have banned the sale of gum out here from more than 20 years ago. It keeps our city cleaner that way. And we save time and money spent on scraping gum off public areas. You don't get gum stuck on your shoe. You can bring in gum if you're a tourist, but the maximum is two packets per person. Yeah, so you just can buy gum here. Yeah. Do you guys miss gum? Oh, have you tried gum? It sounds really weird. Like, have you tried <laughs> have gum? Tried it. <laughs> have we tried gum? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's why it sounds really weird. It's like, huh. Yeah. But it's We've so tried common. gum. <laughs> okay. But I guess it's not in. If you're not used to chewing gum, then it's like, oh, duh, we don't find it weird. We have lots of candy, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> and durian ice kachang, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, another thing. So recently they stopped selling alcohol after 10.30pm in convenience stores and supermarkets. But if you're in a bar or restaurant, then you're still allowed to consume alcohol. Um, the biggest thing is still really don't bring any illegal drugs because it's the death penalty for that. Yeah, that is, that's, that's a really, really strict one. So yeah, um, that, that is can, you, can you drink alcohol on, on the streets? You know, like in, in America, you can't drink alcohol on the streets. But UK, you can. So you in Singapore... Can. Yeah, you can as long as, I think as long as it's before 10.30pm. Oh, okay. All right. So you, you could be like, you could be walking on the Esplanade and in a promenade area and you could be drinking alcohol there? Yeah. Oh, right. Right, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no one's going to stop you. All right, okay. No, because, well, I'm, I'm not an alcohol drinker uh, per se, so mm. I wouldn't know that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, neither is Julian. As long as they don't stop us from eating or drinking, uh, you know, like normal food mm. outside. It's not so common to see people like yeah. drinking alcohol on the streets. It's always bubble tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's more bubble tea. Oh, well, you can't, you're not allowed to eat on our subway, on the MRT. Ah, okay. Can, yeah. But you can drink, right? You no. are not supposed to drink either. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Okay. I think they do kind of close one eye if you're drinking just water. No, yeah, like, I would say don't. But but don't don't do it in front of <laughs> any oh, of the okay. yeah, just the staff. public transport. I guess wherever you go, there's a lot of signs that tells you the do's and don'ts, yes. right? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Well, hopefully, Monidi, that answers your question. And I could go on talking about Singapore a lot, lot more, but we've got lots more to cover. 
So if you want to find out more about this wonderful city, you can follow their posts on localguidesconnect.com. And why not reach out to Julian and Patty with more questions whilst you are there? In this section, we are going to focus a bit on the Local Guides program. So talk us through how the two of you got into it. Mm, I got into it through Julian. I just wanted a t-shirt. <laughs> so go, go listen to episode one. <laughs> okay, for me, I started out taking lots of photospheres for maps. That's way before the Local Guides program began. Uh, so then after that, the Local Guides came about and it seemed natural to progress that way. So it was like, cool, now I get points for my photos. And I started doing more reviews as well. So I had already so many photos uploaded that once the Local Guides program started, I was immediately level 5. <laughs> right? And then within two months, I was hitting like 1 million photo views. So currently, as of now, I'm at 285 million. That is one crazy view count. And not surprisingly, you won a prize at the 2018 Connect Live event where you came up top of all the attendees with the most view counts. Is that right? Or is that the most view counts in the whole world? So far in any event that I've been to in person, I'm the highest in photo views. But I do know there are some other really high view counts out there in the world. Uh, I spent a lot of time and effort on expanding my photo uploads, like going for the first photo, a hero photo, and some other secret sources of views. Secret sources. <laughs> secret sources. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you meant like a chili sauce, you know, like a secret sauce. Oh, <laughs> secret still sauce. Oh. Um, just to clarify, the first photo is when you find a Google map listing that does not have any photos attached. And a hero photo is the first photo that Google Maps will show when you search for a particular venue, because this would immediately count towards your view numbers. So besides being an avid photographer and someone who just wanted a t-shirt, <laughs> what keeps you active in the program? Because it's fun. Yeah. No, actually, like I mentioned earlier and in some other Connect posts, obviously I hit the level cap really fast and I started focusing on photo views instead of levels. Yeah, so levels and points are a great way to track how much you have submitted, but photo view count has always held a special place in our mm, hearts. Yeah. Right? For those who didn't go to Connect Live, you might like to know that the Googlers themselves also take note of their personal photo <laughs> view counts. I think this is a very special number because it reflects our impact on other people. It makes me feel like, hey, so many people out there are seeing my contributions and it's helping them and making a difference. This is why I love this number so much. Yeah, I also like photo views because it's so unpredictable. Like, you can chase points all you want in this local guide program, but you can only control photo views so much. I've actually been looking at people's ratio of photo photos versus photo views lately because like, you can load a thousand photos but only have like 3,000 photo views. Or you could have loaded like 100 photos and have a million views. I was actually at a meetup yesterday and I was speaking to Tim, another local guy from Stockport, and we were looking at photo views. Mm -hmm. Hi, Tim. And his highest photo view, <laughs> his, uh, he was a, sorry, he was a, an attendee in 2017. Ah. Um, so that's why Julian knows yeah, him. Right, right. And his highest photo with the most photo count yeah was a very sloppy burger <laughs> it was it was not the most beautiful photo but it was his highest yeah. then and that's why it's really weird it's like you have like the weirdest photo of all that you've taken and that's the one with the highest count I'm exactly, like, I that <laughs> exactly. it's so funny all the other photos that i spend time to like edit and make it look mm -hmm. nice doesn't get it i'm like dude yeah <laughs> 
but yeah, you know, that's that's the, just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. Yeah, could yeah. also spend an hour talking about this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Next question then. What's the community scene like in Singapore? Oh, listen to episode one. Wait, wait, no, that's not relevant here. <laughs> <laughs> the scene in Singapore is okay. There seem to be a lot of high-level, consistent contributors, but none really seem to come out for meetups, except for Ming. Hi, Ming. Hi, Ming. <laughs> and Kenny, who is a friend of ours who we sort of converted to the program. <laughs> Converted. <laughs> we are not a cult. Just to just to be sure, we are we are, we are not. No, a no, cult. it's not a cult. No, no. <laughs> yeah, we don't convert people. <laughs> encourage them. We encourage them. We entice them. Yeah, we entice them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I browsed around on the maps quite a fair bit. I've seen a lot of great reviews. Right? Lots of high level local guys who I've actually never met before. So yes, there are a large number of contributors out there, but. They're just too shy to come out. Mm. So we've been actively trying to reach out to others and inviting them to our events and such. That's really odd and unfortunate to have such a prevalence in solo local guiding. Um, do they feel that going to a meetup with strangers to review a place together is just awkward? Especially when you can just do it on, do it on your own? Is there anything that you would like to see happen in the near future that can improve that situation? Well, personally, coming together to review a place does sound totally weird to me. Mm. I think in general, knowledge and literacy level is really high, so most people are quite comfortable using Google Maps on their own. Meetup-wise, I think on our end, it's it's very hard to reach out to more people, especially new people, and, and spread the, the news about the invites and meetups. So it used to be more effective on Google+, Plus, where there's a community and people can search for it and, and get the updates. Uh, this is something that I think we need Google's help to improve the platform. Yeah, I mean, currently the only way to reach out to these Maps users is if they're already on the Connect form which isn't where most of these people are, so that could be improved. Yes, Googlers, please pay attention. <laughs> this is a very common issue for lots of people. Um, and before we move on to the next section, I've got a question here from Steve in Miami, USA. Steve! Steve, Steve! Hi, Steve! We miss you! Hey guys, hope everybody is doing well. So excited to finally be submitting my question. My name is Steve. I'm a level nine local guide from Miami, Florida. And my question for Julianne and Petty is, how do you manage juggling your busy lives and contributing to Google Maps? Uh, you know, we are very passionate about what we do in terms of Google Maps, but how do you manage, you know, work life, personal life, and contributing quality content to Google Maps? Uh, also, love you guys. You guys are the best. I miss you guys as well. Um, hope to see you guys soon. Yeah, did I mention I, I used to go out and spend two hours taking photos of a new neighborhood and then come back and spend six hours uploading it one by one? Am I too free? <laughs> But yeah, I just integrate my contribution time into my daily life, uh, like answering questions on the train, writing out uh, our reviews ASAP at a restaurant so I don't forget. Uh, I think one other thing is that we organize meetups to go out and enjoy activities together. Like a couple months back, we had a meetup to go for the Singapore Night Festival. Mm -hmm. So it's like we get to go out and see something we wanted to see and also host a meetup at the same time. Uh, it's not like you have to choose between your own life or a local guide's work. Making it part of your life that you enjoy is a way to keep it sustainable. So another example was when we were in Hong Kong and we had a meetup with Samson, Tony and a few others. We, we got to try a very nice dim sum and explore nature uh, by hiking. Yeah, so we've pretty much totally integrated it into our regular life. 
For myself, even my own colleagues and clients know that when we go out to eat, my phone eats first, then we eat. <laughs> there and then they're always like, "Are you gonna write a review on this?" or "Are you docking a star for this?" <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> so, do, when the dishes come, do they all turn and look at you and go like, "Please take your photos now"? Oh no, so they actually they actually <laughs> lunge for the food, but my phone lunges first. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In this segment where we talk about Connect Life, my goal has always been about getting folks excited for this event by talking to guests about their experience and also getting listeners prepared to apply for Connect Life. So Julian's been there twice in 2017 and 2018, while it was the first time for Patty. So I'll start with Patty first. When you applied for it, did you even think you had a chance of getting selected? No, because I wasn't level 10. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Julian had to bug me to do my video. Did he say you get another t-shirt? No, he didn't. He's just like, you might be able to go to San Francisco. I'm like, oh. Oh, okay. So that's better motivation yeah. than t-shirt. Yeah. It's a pretty good motivation. And what was the experience for you? It was like a UN meeting. There were so many people from all over the world. There was so much to do and so much to see. Google really put together a very engaging few days for us. Thank you, Google. I personally was blown away by how much the staff from Google actually listened to us and the feedback that we had to give. I was also very reassured that there were a whole lot of other people who shared similar joys and gripes and opinions about maps and the local guide program. And it just made me feel less weird. And Julian, was it different for you as a returning? Mm, there was a problem. <laughs> it was hard trying to catch up with so many old friends, but also new people to talk to and make friends with. By the end of the three days, there were still people who I did not recognize and thought, was this person even at a conference? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's a, a common problem again for every at uh, attendee there. We, we really struggled to meet everyone. So besides eating and drinking and <laughs> chatting to people, and then there's all these activities at the site that Google kind of put there for the shy ones so that they got something to do. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. And how did 2018 compare to 2017? So, so during Connect, we have all these awesome sessions with various discussion topics, which have evolved and updated as the Local Guides program matured and grew in numbers from year to year. The Google team is always working hard to, on like how to improve the program, bringing it to more people, building on top of what works well, and finding new ways to leverage the massive amount of information that Google guys have contributed. So I think this year we have that new explore function in Google Maps, which has surfaced recommendations based on like categories and preferences, right? So lots of new things. Um, there was also more time given like to talk to the Googlers about issues uh, um, in this session called like office hours, which Patty really liked a lot. Yeah, I loved it. It was like one-to-one -one Google therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I felt very understood. And, and I felt like, wow, these guys I'm talking to can actually maybe fix my maps problems. Yay! Yay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was really nice to be able to talk directly to the people who wrote the code behind it. So. And then you can stare at them and go like, why yeah. are you not doing this? <laughs> yeah, I think we should really thank the engineering team for coming out because I think they're not the community guys, so they're mm -hmm. probably more shy and things, but it's really brave of them to step out and face the users. Yeah, <laughs> like Alistair. Yes. Hey, Alistair. Hi, Alistair. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, I, I was in a few sessions where there were people that was very, very passionate Ooh. and they were trying to convince Googlers like, you need to do it this way, <laughs> this way. 
funny. Yeah, and, and the Googlers were like super tolerant and patient. Oh, I'm like, yeah. wow, it's like yeah. he's exuding like Zen. They give very good answers. Yeah. No, no, it was really it was really nice to have that those sessions. Yeah. And I have a question here from two again. This time she asks, as a summit attendee, can you share what things you did outside of the summit that future summit attendees should try to do when they are in the Bay Area? Mm. Oh. Everything is absolutely yeah. fun when you're doing it together with your local guys' friends. Yeah. Uh, anything from going to pubs, night photo walks, karaoke, food walks in Chinatown, visiting tech companies. Uh, if you can extend your stay, try to make a trip out to Yosemite. Mm. Uh, we had a great trip with uh, our new friend Jens. Hi, Jens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so also go visit the NASA Museum. And there's an aviation history museum in the NASA compounds as well. This whole campus is right beside the Google campus. And it's got a bunch of amazing like old war veteran pilots who can talk to you and tell you stories um, about their time in, in the war. As a bonus, it's quite cool to actually drive into the NASA facility. So wait, the you get the old veterans just they, oh. milling about the <laughs> no, compound. They were in area. the aviation history museum. I uh, okay, but they were. I mean, they're 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 meant to be there to tell you about the history. Yeah, all. yeah. Okay. So they're actually they worked. They there? worked. Yeah, they're kind they of like the there. the tour guides in the wow. museum. They yeah. show you like okay, these are the things that we used to have. <laughs> yeah, this is what the the planes were like. Wow, that's amazing. We met an old pilot, actually. Uh, some of them are pilots, some of them are like were technicians. Mm, mm-hmm. This guy, I think he was more than 90 years old. And he, he said he was still flying planes. We're like, wow. Wow, wow. That is so inspirational. That's yeah. crazy. Oh, that's definitely on my to-do list. Well, if I get to go there yeah, well, for whatever occasion <laughs> it is. <laughs> you know, but um, no, it's, that sounds really great. I, I always like to talk to people and find out what their life story is. So that just really floats my boat. They're really kind to us. Like we went after like, I think there was only 15 minutes left of their opening hours. Mm-hmm. And then they still kind of gave us a really quick walkthrough of everything very graciously. So one of the things that I hear most often is that folks are freaked out that they need to submit a video submission as part of the application process. Part of that worry comes down to the technical issues of not knowing how to make a good video, but also they just do not know how to sell themselves. Guess what? Paddy's performance stage before in front of crowds of strangers having to not only speak clearly, but to convey a narrative that is compelling and exciting. And then you have the other half, Julian, who by my observation is pretty tacky and is wildly into photography. I hope that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So between the three of us, we should be able to provide some really awesome tips on recording a video application. So I'll go first. My number one tip is get yourself organized and prepare a good script. Do not leave it to the last minute. In fact, I would highly suggest that you think about it now and start planning ahead. So why would you want to do that? Well, a script may possibly dictate where and when you should be doing your video recording. For instance, if you are into traveling, you may want to start recording short clips everywhere that you travel to so that you can combine them together to show this epic video of you visiting gazillions of places. Don't forget, this is your local guide story. You only have one minute for this video. So break it down, 10 seconds to introduce yourself, your name, your location, all that stuff. 20 seconds to talk about what drives you to do this. Is it because you like helping others and making good choices of where to go? Maybe you want to promote your city, or it could be that you're a cake enthusiast, so you want to cre- curate 
a list of the best places for cakes. And then another 20 seconds to sell yourself. What makes you unique to stand out from the crowd? Why you? And then the last 10 seconds to wrap it all up. And that's your sales pitch. And that's my tip for today. I am all about speaking clearly, so definitely speak clearly. I think they just want to get an idea of who you are and the kind of vibe you give. So be yourself, as long as you're a person open to, well, whatever they're going to have us do at Connect and are willing to contribute and share. I think that's the kind of people that they're looking for. Connect with the people who you imagine are going to be watching your video. So this is more for how to talk within your video. Talk to them and talk to your, well, like, talk to your camera like they're a real person instead of some faceless panel of judges. Uh, you really want to connect with your audience and doing that, imagining that there's actual people watching you and listening to you will help you to deliver a smoother, more realistic video of yourself. Yeah, not like a robot. <laughs> yeah, like, not like a robot, not stiff as a board. Yeah. What about right. you? So, so on the technical side, I guess, um, modern smartphones have such great cameras and video capabilities that you don't really need any other special camera. So ch choose a good spot with enough light to see you clearly, not too noisy so that you can be heard clearly as well. And also keep the environment interesting. It could be somewhere you think other visitors would want to go or a unique feature of your local city. In general, it's good to keep it fun, show your enthusiasm and big smile. Mm. Hopefully you find these tips useful and handy, and we can't wait to see all the amazing videos that you can come up with. Be yourself as much as you can, don't worry too much, your inner beauty will shine true. Lastly, I wanted to cover Chinese New Year, which is a massive festival. On a very simplistic level, it's the Chinese equivalent to celebrating New Year. They follow the lunar calendar, so it follows the cycle of a full moon and a new moon. Hence, the dates vary each year. I think most people are fairly familiar with all of that. So what I wanted to talk about are the customs or beliefs, the red packets, firecrackers, and lion dance. So what are all this tradition all about? First of all, you want to prepare for the Chinese New Year by thoroughly cleaning your house before the actual new year because you're not supposed to sweep out the good luck once you've crossed into the new year. You usually buy new year snacks to have ready at home for people if they visit your house. And then there are the family dinners, big family dinners where we stuff ourselves silly. Oh, married couples also give red packets to their own parents, kids, and unmarried people, or even like friends' kids. So what's in the red packets? Mm. Red packets are actually, they contain money. Ah, <laughs> yeah. and how much money? <laughs> uh, not absurd amounts, typically. And it also depends on who you're giving to. So parents, immediate relatives, probably more. If it's like other people's kids. What's the market rate? You know, it really Eight? varies. <laughs> Eight <laughs> to like... <laughs> 16? I, I don't know. Yeah, it really depends yeah, eight, eight, on the family. 8 is a lucky number. Does it get so really... It's a prosperous number, yeah, right? Yeah, right. So okay. Okay. Stick to the, the lucky numbers Stick to, and avoid... Oh, like, it has to be even numbers. It has to be even. Yeah, it has yeah. to be even numbers. 8 is great. Ah, eight right, is okay. great. Okay. 4 is not okay because that's a four, bad number. 4 was the old market rate. No, but it's a, it's a bad <laughs> sounding number, so you can't get 4. <laughs> I remember getting 4 before. Oh, no. Yes. <laughs> I've gotten 4 before. Oh, no. 2 is oh, just... I mean... No. Two's not yeah, enough. Two's okay. Two's okay. But typically it ranges, yeah. I think right now it's between like eight and 
paid or up. Yeah. And you mentioned also about um, friends visiting. So I don't know whether people find this uh, peculiar, but um, in Chinese New Year festival, there's a lot of like going around and visiting friends and family. So it's not just like you just celebrate on your own. It's very much a, a community yeah, celebration totally. kind of thing. Like So depending on the family and their own family tradition, the eve of Chinese New Year, you go back to the guy's house, so the male's house. So for us, I would be going to Julian's family's dinner on the eve. and then So that's for the reunion dinner? Yeah, that's called reunion dinner. Which is dinner. a very important dinner. And then on the first day and second day of Chinese New Year, we basically go around visiting the other families, other relatives. Do you guys have an open house as well? As in like, do people visit you or... How does that work? Um, I guess uh, for us, uh, our families are very rigid. I mean, such that um, first and second day, um, it's already preset at somebody's yeah, house. Yeah, at is, other people's houses. Right. Uh, so we just follow that tradition. And then, um, so you, these two days start off with like your immediate families, mm. right? And then the official Chinese New Year period actually spans 15 days. Yeah. <laughs> but on, we only have like two days of public holiday. So... On the following days, you might arrange for your like to visit your friends or mm. colleagues even if yeah. you're close to them. So I think someone's coming over to our place. Yeah, um, I guess later so. on. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably invite some people over. And those are all like really short visits, right? If I remember correctly, I mean, they're like you just go to see a, a friend's house and you wish them happy new year. You you pass on the red packets or the gifts or mm. things like that, and then you sit around chit chat for a while and then you move on to the next house. Oh, and. Well, it also varies because okay, typically a lot of people have so many people to visit, right? right. Mm. You need to visit all your different relatives, all your different friends, so you can't stay too long. Uh, okay. But mm. on the other hand, uh, if you have a group of close friends, you might spend like the whole night playing mahjong. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite common. Ah, right, okay. Because the last time I did Chinese year visiting was in 1996. Oh, wow. Oh, I know. <laughs> Wow. And obviously that back then I was still in secondary school and uh, so yeah. we kind of cycle around from house to house visiting each other's house. So that's why it's a bit of a different concept I guess where I guess now you all just meet up in one spot and Yeah, it's have, for convenience. Yeah. But some people still do the whole like oh I need to visit all my 10 ads <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. We'll never end. Yeah. No. <laughs> I have a huge family. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah so when it all comes huge. together it's, it's crazy. What, what about the firecrackers? What's that all about? Oh, Ooh. firecrackers, I honestly don't really know. I'm not very Chinese. <laughs> but I guess it's to entertain the kids, create a festive feeling. Oh, wait, no, I think it's something to do with chasing bad spirits away. Yeah, I think that's a big thing and part of the whole Chinese New Year thing. It's, it's a lot of it is about chasing away bad spirits. Yeah. Um, there's, I think there's some legend about a monster and stuff. Uh, so the firecrackers and... The lion and all that helps to chase this away. So the lion dance thing um, primarily is to symbolize good luck and prosperity in the new year. So many people like to invite the lion dance troupe to their homes and offices to bless the place and bring good luck. Did you know there are also different types of lion dances <laughs> with different costumes and different dance routines and even this lion dragon dance, which is really impressive because it's like a chain of like 10 people and... It's quite an impressive sight. So Chinese New Year is, is definitely a really, really big deal here mm -hmm. or anywhere with a Chinese community. Very big festivities and performances. I, I think like we were talking about just now, traditionally, mm -hmm. this is the only time in the year where the entire family comes together. For me, the whole extended family can be like 100 people 
So mm. everyone comes together in in one place, and you really meet up with all your uncles, your their families, or the the nephew nieces, and you really catch up on a lot of things. I mean, Singapore is quite small, right? But、mm-hmm. for some other countries, people who work or live outside their hometown, this is the time when they take a long break from work to travel home to their families, and it could be like a, a one week vacation for them.、Mm-hmm. Right? I think this is the most important part of it: the the family bonding and uh, uh, wishing well wishes for everyone into the new year. So Chinese New Year 2019 is the year of the pig. It is the twelfth and the last animal in the Chinese zodiac. The myth goes that the pig overslept and was the last to arrive to the party, so he took the twelfth place. That's what I read online. So you will <laughs>、sure. see the pig featuring in a lot of the Chinese New Year decorations. Personally, I find the Chinese zodiac to be quite fascinating, and you can do a Google search to find out about your horoscope and the meaning of the pig year. And I've included a link in the podcast description for one of this. And the pig is associated with the earthly brunch and the hours of nine to eleven p.m. Whatever that means.、Um, in terms of yin and yang, the pig is yin and also a symbol of wealth. Their chubbiness and big ears are signs of good fortune. And with that, I'll play back this Chinese New Year song. It's a classic tune that I hear all the time in the shopping malls, stores, restaurants. It's so classic. It's cheesy. <laughs> Happy Chinese, Chinese New Year! Year. Yay! Yay! <laughs> 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 We have now come to the end of the podcast. It is so nice to hear from Patty and Julian. I hope you enjoyed the interview and you learned something new today. Please join us at localguidesconnect.com if you want to continue the discussion and ask more questions on Singapore. Coming up in episode four, you lucky listeners are going to have a new host. And here to introduce the next episode, we have Shirley. Hey guys, it's Shirley here. So we're gonna switch things up a little bit for episode four, and I'm gonna be hosting it. And some of my guests will include Valeria and Farid, and all three of us are actually local guide connect moderators. So we want to talk a little bit about the online forum. If you've got any questions, make sure you record a voicemail for us or send us an email. Looking forward to talking to my guests very soon in a couple of weeks. Bye for now. That should be an amazing episode, and I know Linia from Stockholm, Sweden. Had suggested in episode two that we should interview Connect moderators, amongst various other options as well. So there you go, taking it off our list. As always, we value your feedback, comments, and suggestions. So please send them to us at golocopodcast@gmail.com. You can type it out if you want to, but we prefer that you record an audio clip instead. Mention your name, where you're from, and your local guide level, followed by your message, and you might even get featured in future episodes. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and share the podcast to all your social networks. It would be great to get more exposure and also more feedback from all of us here. Let's, let's guide. guide. Go local with us. Go local with adventure. Go local with us. Go local with adventure. Your unofficial cast to all things local guide.